Curriculum Associates presents Extraordinary Educators with hosts Sari Labaris and Danielle Sullivan. Get ready to hear tips, best practices, and success stories to improve your teaching, leadership, and drive student learning. We're here for you. Hi, welcome to the Extraordinary Educator Podcast. I'm Danielle. And I'm Sari. And this week, we are so excited to be joined by Extraordinary Educator Jessica. What's really unique about Jessica is that she actually transitioned from an elementary teacher to a middle school math teacher. And so so she talked about that transition last year on the podcast. And this year, we are excited to talk to her about building community, particularly with her the way that she organizes her classroom and also about number talks. And not only did she move from elementary school, she teaches eighth grade. Like that's no joke content wise. And she does such a great job, not only having her students feel like they belong in their math classrooms, but really you can tell she builds trust with them and creating great psychological safe spaces. So she's doing some cool stuff. Can't wait for you to hear it. Enjoy. Welcome, Jessica. We are so excited to have you back on the podcast. Thank you so much for being here. If you don't mind starting off, just introducing yourself to our listeners, that would be great. My name is Jessica Medley, and I teach eighth grade math in Phoenix City at South Gerard School. Well, we're excited to have you back on the podcast. And Jessica, how is your year going and how are you building community with your eighth graders? My year uh, has gone really well. Um, this is my second grade, second grade. <laughs> it's been a long day. Second year teaching eighth grade math. I'm, I have an elementary background, so uh, it's going much better than last year. I'm feeling a lot more confident um, in my practices and in the standards. So it's really going very well, very, very well. So what are some strategies that you are finding successful? Because I I think a lot of in our travels, especially middle school math, um, and I think we talked last episode when you were on last season about how you were kind of translating the elementary school strategies into the middle school. So what are some strategies that you're thinking about this year to support your eighth graders? So one thing um, I realized last year um, was as far as building kind of a community in my classroom in general, so not necessarily anything to do with math, just building a community um, is hard for this age group to kind of get along with others at times. So one thing that um, I wanted to try this year was random seating. So every day I stand at the door, I greet my students and I give them a number one through six. um, And that's what team they're on that day. So then they go to the corresponding table for that team. And I've just noticed a huge change or shift in um, students complaining about sitting by someone or having um, trouble with other students. They just seem to be more tolerable of each other and just more accepting of each other. And they're just learning how to work with each other through that. That's awesome. And I feel like you do all of these really small, we can call them 1% solutions, like saying what team they're with today. That's brilliant. Like why, why table, why not make it fun and make learning a team effort? That's really, really cool. I, um, I feel like with middle schoolers, you often forget about the logistics of things like that, especially with so many classes coming in and out and so many students. So thank you for sharing that. Um, switching gears a bit, just thinking about more how you're building community and getting students to talk to each other. We uh, word on the street is that you do number talks with your students. And we would absolutely love to hear more about that. Yes. So I love number talks. I did number talks in elementary school every day. A number talk is just a um, building number sense with students. So it's a quick routine that you would do three to five times a week, uh, ideally. 
it's a little harder to do that in middle school with time restraints. Um, but it's just, um, you present a problem. There's lots of different types of problems you could present and you have silent signals, um, where the students are thinking they have like a, a hand of their hand in a fist on their chest when they're thinking. And then when they have a solution to the problem, they would do a thumbs up. And if they have more than one solution or strategy, they could do another finger up, you know, just to show how many strategies they have. And then you um, gather the answers that they have. So even the wrong answers, you just say, does anyone have an answer you would like to share? And then you start the process of, okay, who would like to defend this answer and what would be your strategy that you use? And the teacher's more of a facilitator. So you would, I would be recording or writing down what the students are saying and trying to um, show it step-by-step step the way that they did the problem in their head. And so the, I, the idea is to get several different ways of solving that problem and then, you know, discuss what are the similarities, what are the differences in the strategies, and then which you want to get to, well, which one's the most efficient strategy and why? Because the goal in math is to be efficient. You know, you're solving the problems correctly, but you're getting them uh, in a timely manner. So we kind of have those discussions as we see all the work on the board, on the dry erase board. That's interesting. And I've seen a lot of really successful math talks. What changes are you noticing the more you do that? Are you noticing to be a little bit more flexible in their problem solving as they approach? Like what are some of the benefits of doing math talks? I would say they are definitely learning from each other. Um, today we did one and I honestly thought it was going to be very simple. It was just a half times 20 and it got us on all kinds of tangents where we were looking at students overgeneralizing some things about fractions. Um, and we were able to discuss those and just kind of make sure they understood what the actual rule was. And because sometimes when kids are learning all these different rules about things, when they overgeneralize them and they they think one rule applies to another and you kind of have to step, take a step back and look at the work and say, you know, that works here, but does it work here? So that's something that has been benefited, beneficial to them this year with number talks. Well, about number talks before um, we're going to do a new segment. I've actually been using number talks to traumatize adults. How do you... <laughs> Um, as part of a way to show that you need a system to struggle, like the way you just described it, it's a, it's a, it's a very specific system that you are asking students to think about it. Then one, then you have a silent signals. Like it's a, it's a huge system that you're, that you're describing. So sometimes I'll just put it up there to stress people out, but how do you deal deal with real life stress of students? Because there's, I'm sure you have a lot of eighth graders that do have some math trauma. So how do you support them with this system if they start to struggle? Well, one thing that I do is we um, celebrate um, wrong answers or we'll discuss incorrect answers. So they sometimes, I'll, so today the most answers were either 10 or 40. Okay. So 10 was the correct answer. So we went through and we, most of the kids wanted to go ahead and defend 10 first um, that were eager to participate. And then I said, well, does anyone want to share why they think someone might have 
chose or put 40. And we just kind of like discuss what the misconception is, what the mistake is. And I let them know that, oh, this happened in first period too. This happened in second period. This, this isn't just you making this mistake. And we just, I really try to celebrate mistakes and just discuss them because, and I tell them, you know, this, this really sparked a good conversation because of this mistake. So I thank you. I appreciate you for being vulnerable, for being able to share what you thought. So that was the exact conversation we had today. That's so great, Jessica. And I think you're just instilling such a positive growth mindset with your students and normalizing error and willingness to take risks. And we appreciate all you do and your students will definitely later if you're middle schooler still right now. So that is actually a perfect um, segue to our Ask an Extraordinary Educator today because a teacher wrote in asking um, sort of along the same lines about instructional signage at middle school. So I'm going to read the question for you and then um, we would love to hear your advice for this teacher. Sound good? Okay. Awesome. All right. Hello, Extraordinary Educator Podcast. Thank you for all you do. I am a middle school teacher and want to improve my instructional signage in the classroom. Typically, I don't think many people think of middle school classrooms as being cute or fun or having a lot of signage. How can I post posters around the room that enable my students to be inspired to use math discourse and or math language? Thanks so much, a math teacher. Okay. I'm over here looking around my room, like, what, what do I have? Um, so, I mean, I'm elementary based. So all around my room are anchor charts. Um, I don't really have a lot of signage, I guess, at the beginning of the year. But as we go through units, I'll make anchor charts of um, what we're doing in math. So a Pythagorean theorem anchor chart, uh, just kind of the basics of of it so that way they can reference it later. Um, I have a cute, we do have our data up on the wall. So that is a good way to put, you know, a good signage. Um, we've got our iReady data. We've got um, at our school, we have to make a theory of action for the teachers do. So like, what are we going to do this year to make sure that our students um, meet their goal on iReady and have good scores on their end of year test. And so we kind of make that with the kids. So have that posted around um, in the room on an anchor chart. Um, trying to think what else. That's a lot, Jessica. <laughs> okay. Is that enough? That's, that's more than enough. Thank okay. you so much. I think this answers when that question. When you said signage, I was more. like, signage. <laughs> yeah, no, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for being here. And thank you for all you do. You're welcome. Thank you all for having me. So that is it for today's episode of the Extraordinary Educators podcast. You can leave us a review where you listen to podcasts as it really helps us reach more educators. Follow us on Twitter at Curriculum Associ and on Instagram at MyIReady. If you have feedback, a topic of interest, want to be a guest, or have a question to ask an extraordinary educator, please email extraordinaryeducators at cainc.com. This is about you. We are here for you. So until next time, be you, be true, be extraordinary. The Extraordinary Educators podcast is produced by Curriculum Associates, editing by Danielle Sullivan, social media by At City Hannon, guest booking by Sari Liberis, music by Mark Bernstein. This podcast is copyrighted material and intellectual property of Curriculum Associates. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Curriculum Associates and on Instagram at MyIReady and send your emails to extraordinaryeducators at cainc.com. 